going to put a text up on the screen. Um, it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, For you were once darkness. Not you were in darkness. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Amen? How many of you believe, even if you were raised in the church and you've been going to church forever, and how many of you could actually say that's true? I was once darkness. I'm not even sure when lightness happened, but I'm no longer darkness. I'm light right now, but I was once darkness. That's a tough thing to say, isn't it? To be able to admit that I was once darkness. That's not an easy thing to admit, is it? There's a story that's been passed down, and, uh, you know, people have forever been uh, debating whether it's true or not. There is nothing that says it isn't true, and there's nothing that says that it is true, except for that it's been passed down from generation to generation. And it's about the great artist by the name of Leonardo da Vinci. And the story goes like this. He was uh, painting this, he was commissioned to paint this piece called The Last Supper. Some of you maybe have seen this wonderful masterpiece. And as he was doing that, he spent many years at the end of the 15th century trying to figure out how, what is the best way to make this come out. And actually the most difficult part was finding models for each of the 13 faces. I mean, who are you going to get to do Jesus, right? <laughs> and so he looked and looked and looked, and then uh, one day, Da Vinci saw this young man in a church choir. And his name was Pietro Bandinelli. Nice Jewish guy. who looked exactly how Leonardo da Vinci pictured Jesus in his mind. He had this kind of innocent look about him. He had this kind of tenderness, this love, this compassion that just kind of came out. And he asked him, would you be willing to be Jesus in my painting? And Pietro said, sure. And so he modeled as Jesus in the painting. The story says that after he did Jesus, he was really having a hard time finding the rest of the disciples. Who am I, how, what does Peter look like? And what, is, what does John look like? What does James look like? What does Thomas look like? Right? And so he's going around, and it took him 10 years, 10 years to find the right people to do this. The hardest person actually ended up being Judas. Who do I get to be? Judas. The story says that he looked and looked and he couldn't find anybody. And finally, one day he was visiting a prison. And he saw a man in prison and he, and he, and he looked just like what he figured Judas would look like. His face was marked by despair, wickedness, greed. And so he made arrangements and said, hey, is it possible for this man here to come and, 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 and be my model. And of course, back in those days, jails were a little less uh, uh, security, right, than they are today. 
So they uh, agreed, and as the days passed, and the prisoner was being painted, one of the things that Leonardo da Vinci noticed is that he was becoming increasingly upset. So finally, da Vinci said, look, I, I just noticed that you're always upset. What is going on? What, what's the matter with you? And the man began to sob uncontrollably. And he says, don't you remember me? And Leonardo says, no, I don't. What's your name? And he says, my name is Pietro Bandonelli. I was Jesus when you started the painting. Hmm. Is it possible? Is it possible that, that sin could change our visage? Our sin could change the way we look and the way we are? So much so that we can't even recognize that person anymore? And if that's the case, is it possible that if once I was darkness, that now that I've experienced light in my life, that people from the past can't recognize me anymore? Is that possible? <coughs> Excuse me. I got to tell you, it is absolutely possible because it's happened to me so many times. I've had people say to me, man, you just look so much more at peace. You have so much more joy. You're, you're bigger, you know. But you have so much that, that I, I didn't, I, you, did, you were kind of depressed and miserable before, Sergio. I found once, I was telling some friends of mine, I found once a, a cassette tape. This is how long it's been. So those of you who don't know what a cassette tape is, Ask mom and dad. This was a cassette tape. And it was before BC, before Christ in my life. And I was teaching, I was a drummer in the band. I was teaching this bass player this part because I had written this song. And as I'm teaching the part, I sounded so arrogant and so, I mean, I can't think of any word better than evil that it upset me so much that I went and destroyed that cassette tape because I didn't even recognize myself anymore. Was I that bad? You were once darkness. Do you believe that about yourself? It's hard to say, isn't it? I'm going to take us to a story, and I'm actually going to read the whole story through, and then we'll talk about it together. It's in Mark chapter 5. And so follow along with me. Mark chapter 5. And it goes like this. And I'm reading from the NIV. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind them anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs, that's three times now, and in the hills he would cry out, 
and he would cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And so he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs, the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been, who had been possessed, who had been, had been possessed, had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told them about the pigs as, as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to just leave the region, just go away. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not, let him go, did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And now he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell it in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Wow. What a story, huh? So if you read in your Bible that story, it's actually after Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and make their way to the other side of the Galilean Sea. In fact, the Bible tells us that the disciples get in, Jesus gets in, a storm comes, and Jesus is doing what? Sleeping. Maybe even snoring. I'm not sure. Right? This is, could, could Jesus snore, by the way? Is that possible? Oh, and we sanitize Jesus so much that he doesn't snore uh, at all. Does, does he snore? Is it possible? I mean, maybe he doesn't, but is it possible? I don't want to ruin anybody's image of Jesus here, but, you know, let's be honest. Sometimes I think we, we overdo Jesus. He was a man, right? 
Anyway, so he sleeps. Of course, the disciples are freaking out. They're so terrified. They wake him up. Jesus calms the storm. You know the story, right? And, and it's just at the end of that story. They, they, he calms the storm, and he goes, and he lands on the other side. And the moment that he lands, after the storm has come, boom, he gets hit with another storm. And this time, it's a human storm. So those disciples went from a, a terrifying, furious storm, sleepless night, to an encounter with a violent, demon-possessed, raging maniac. And they're like, does this ever stop? I don't think they looked at this as adventure. And by the way, I want to say something that's really important here, because we won't have time to really get into this too much. But the, the chapter before... When it's talking about the storm, it says here uh, in verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over the other side. And that's when they get into the boat and they go to the other side. But as soon as this event is over, which we're going to look at really carefully here, as soon as it's over, they get back in the boat and they go back to where they came from. So in other words, Jesus' main purpose to get in the boat to go there was to meet with this guy and take him out of darkness into light. How cool is that? That was it. That was the reason. That was the point. There was no other point. He doesn't do anything else. They get in the boat. They go through the storm. They almost die. Jesus saves the day. They get there. They meet with this guy. This moment happens. He becomes engulfed with light. And then, guess what? They go back. Could Jesus, is it possible that Jesus is willing to go through anything to save us? Well, yes, of course. We know that. He died on the cross. That was an easy one, right? Let me give you this one. Is it possible that Jesus wants us to be on the boat with him, riding through the storm, so that together we can encounter the maniac and bring him salvation and light. Is that possible? Are you willing? Are you willing? See, if you believe that you were once darkness and today you are light, then you, your hand, you're like, you're doing this. Of course I'm willing. You know, I don't want to raise my hand because, you know, I don't want to look stupid, but it, yeah. Because he can't help it. So let's, let's look at this story a little bit. So it says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Chapter 5, verse 1. And when Jesus got out of the boat, this happens immediately, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived among the tombs. Now, I've read the whole story already, so you know what the story is about. So can I have a little bit of license here for a moment? Because I believe that the Bible is not just a, a book that tells us about story. I believe these stories are here, that God permitted them to be published so that we can read them, so that we can somehow identify with them. Anybody here demon-possessed? Don't raise your hand, please. I mean, of course, that's... Most of us are not only willing to 
admit that we're demon-possessed or probably have never experienced the kind of demon possession that we're going to read about here or that we just read about or even met somebody that's demon-possessed. But is it possible? Is it possible that God's trying to tell us something even though we're not demon-possessed? Is it possible that God is trying to tell us something about, about who we are and our condition? Is it possible that maybe some of you in this church right now are living among the tombs? You're living among the tombs. You're living among those whitewashed sepulchers. They look so nice. They have these nice writings on it. But in the inside, you're dead. And nobody knows it because you've got this nice, nice smile on your face. You're living among the tombs. And you're lonely. Or maybe you're living alone. Among the tombs of fear, or you're living among the tombs of, of being wounded by abuse. Maybe you're living among the tombs of anger and resentment, shame and guilt, doubt and depression. You're living among the tombs. And again, the stones are saying these nice things on the outside, but in the inside, there is decay and there's, there's sadness. But you're living among the tombs the chambers of burial places, these, these limestone places that you feel like everything's okay as long as I, people just see this part of me. Is it possible that maybe you wouldn't consider yourself demon-possessed, but hiding depression? See, I'm convinced that you are. Not all of you. But I think there's quite a few in here that live among the tombs. I know I have. I know there are times in my life where I struggle with that, and I'm willing to accept that. And this guy, he'd been living among the tombs. Why? Why live in a cemetery? Well, because dead people can't talk to you. <laughs> In fact, he was, he was terrorizing mourners all the time. You want to go visit Dad? No, I don't think so. We should have buried him somewhere else, huh? Nobody was going there anymore. They tried to chain him up, it says. They tried to, to, to shackle him. He was hardly human. He was tragic. He was inconsolable. It says... This man lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons of his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Some of you are living among the tombs. Some of you are cutting yourselves. How are we doing? I worked with teenagers specifically for over 20 years, and I was amazed how many of them were living among the tombs, and the way they coped was to cut themselves. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? This is not some foreign uh, thing that happened back in those days. It happens today too, doesn't it? Where does that come from? I once 
was darkness. You think darkness can do that to us? Thank you. It's a lot quieter without the kids in here, I will tell you that. See, this whole idea of demon possession is so alien to us in the Western world. We don't even think about it. We don't even consider it. It's so out of context for us. But it wasn't then. In fact, in the Western world, we try to say, well, you know, he probably had some kind of disease or, you know, it was a psychological neurosis, you know, and, and, and maybe some of it was. And it was misdiagnosed as demon possessor. But I want to tell you right now, this guy, I think, was actually demon possessed. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I don't know if you've met anybody that's demon possessed. I have. And it's not a pretty... I've met people that were struggling with psychosis and neurosis. But I've met people that were demon possessed. And I got to tell you something. There's a huge difference. It is real. And it's not as common today. And I praise God for that. (laughs) You should too, by the way. But it happens. And certainly, the ramifications of the darkness still haunt us today. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, now catch this, nobody knows this. In fact, we know one thing, that this is not a place where believers are. How do we know this? Because what is the community raising? Pigs. The Jews don't raise pigs, just in case you didn't know that, right? So this is not a believing community. They don't know anything. They're just out there doing their pig thing. I don't know. And they're, and they're, you know, but this guy, he knows Jesus. How does he know Jesus? Listen to what it says here. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees. He can't help himself. People have been trying to bind this guy wrestle him down, nobody can touch him, but as soon as he sees Jesus, he goes down and he falls on his knees in front of him, he shouts at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Have you ever said that to Jesus? Hey Jesus, what do you want with me, really? See, you don't have to be demon-possessed to live among the tombs. You don't have to be demon-possessed to be saying, hey, Jesus, what do you want with me? All you have to do is experience darkness once in a while. Have you ever said, what do you want with me? Am I the only one? Man, I need to go get anointed or something. I don't know what's going on. Is it possible? Somebody else ought to be preaching here than me. If everybody else has never experienced this. I've experienced it. I've said, God, what do you want with me? Like, what is it that you really want? It's okay to admit that once in a while. And if you haven't, maybe maybe you've always wanted to, but you were just too cultured to say it. See, I wonder, as I read this story, by the time the story is over, who's in the worst place? The demon-possessed or the ones that are not demon-possessed? You know what I mean? You'll see what I mean in a second. So, what do you want with me, Jesus, the Son of Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Apparently, Jesus had authority to do that. Jesus had been saying, come out of this man. Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Apparently, Jesus believed in demon possession. 
Come out of this man. While this man is saying, what do you have, why are you interfering with my life? I was doing good among the tombs. I meet people all the time that are in darkness, that I want to get them out of darkness into light. And, I, and they say some form of, why are you interfering with my life? I'm comfortable here among the tombs. Don't bother me among the tombs. And then Jesus asked them, what's your name? I don't know, is, that, is it just me? Is that like an odd question in the middle of an exorcism? Right? What's your name? Really? I bet you that threw him off a bit, huh? I mean, Jesus wants to know his name. And who is he talking to? He's talking to the demons. He's not talking to the person anymore because that person is no longer himself. He's talking to the demons who are possessing and he's saying to them, what's your name? I want to know what your name is. And they say, I love this, my name is Legion. Now, if you don't know what Legion is, let me tell you about Legion. Legion uh, is the word for how, for a, a troop of uh, Roman soldiers Usually, in those days, a legion was about 6,000 Roman soldiers. So not only was this demon or these demons saying, this is our name, but they were saying, look, there's a lot of us in here, just so you know. And yet they were afraid of Jesus, this one guy. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And there it says, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Please, send us into the pigs. Now, soon you're going to find out how God feels about pigs, but we'll get into that in a second. Here's a question. You know what I loved about this moment here? Is that Jesus sees the man that is behind the demons. Everybody else saw the demons. Everybody else tried to control the demons. But Jesus doesn't see us for who we are. He sees us for what we can become. He doesn't see us in our darkness. He sees us with all our light. He sees us filled with him and his character and his glory. And he says, now that's a person worth saving. I know, because I was in darkness. I was darkness. But now I am light because Jesus made me the light. He says, you are the light of the world. And maybe if we're not shining, it isn't because we don't know how to shine, but it's because we're still in darkness. But we are still darkness. So, the demons beg Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them, I love the word, he gave them what? Permission. Like these demons 
needed permission. I mean, can you see what's going on behind the scenes here? Don't dismiss this story as some sick guy. He was sick, no doubt about it. <coughs> but don't, don't miss the war of, between good and evil going on right here and who's in charge and why this is important. Because while you're going and living among the tombs, here's what I want to remind you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that has overcome the tombs than he that wants to keep you in the tombs. Greater is the light than the darkness. It doesn't take that much light. Light just peaks in. It just finds a crevice. And once it's in, forget about it. I was, uh, got to spend some awesome time with uh, Jesse and Doug this, this weekend. And uh, we stayed overnight in a hotel in Seattle uh, to go to a convention the next day. And uh, uh, Doug and I were sharing this, this room, two, two beds, this room with two beds. And... Uh, and uh, because I'm older, I'm just going to use that, uh, I got the bed next to the bathroom. And, and uh, as, as, uh, now one of the things that I always do is I always bring a little nightlight with me. Because I travel a lot, and I've made that mistake before. You know, poof, I should have bought the nightlight, right? So I bring a nightlight with me. I didn't realize how particularly bright, Doug, this nightlight was, actually. I put it in, Doug was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, and so then I started turning it a little bit. You know, oh, you know, no, that's fine. Uh, okay. And every time I turned, because I'm a side sleeper, towards the light, I was like, oh, man. And it was really dark, you know, but that light was so bright. There's a little night light. I was like, oh, man, I can't turn it off because Doug likes it, but, man, I, can't, I don't know. I, I think I could have seen without it, you know, but, I mean, light doesn't take much, man. Darkness you know, you put a little light and everything is like bright. It's unbelievable. And when then you say that the light is Jesus, then forget it. It's like the, you ever see those little lights? The most obnoxious lights in the world, you know, those little LED lights? You push the button, remember those? And it's like, oh man. Right? In the darkness, that's all it takes. So, Jesus, it says, uh, he gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 num in number, 2,000 of them, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And some of you who are mathematicians in here may be thinking, oh, maybe there was only 2,000 demons because there's only 2,000 pigs. No, 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 no. Remember, there were 6,000 of them in one guy, right? So 2,000 doesn't mean a thing, right? It just means that's how many pigs there were. They all went into those pigs. Maybe, maybe there were three demons for each pig. I don't know. Maybe some more pigs were more susceptible. I, I, I have no idea. But here's what you need to know. There were many. They go into those pigs, and it says, and those pigs rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. How many of you are feeling a little sad for the pigs right now? Yes, I'm sorry. Animal lovers, I am really sorry. And animals were hurt in the middle of this, by the way, just so you know. But I think God loves this man more than he loved the pigs. Not that God doesn't love pigs. Don't misunderstand that. But he loves this man.
So I should invoke this rule, by the way. I'm a drummer, so I hear music. I just got to. So the rule is, from now on, if a phone goes off and it's loud enough that all of us can hear it, Doug's going to put the number on the screen, and you're buying us pizza, just so you know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I hate it when that happens, don't you? I mean, I know I turned it off, right? I know. I know. It happens all the time. Just kidding. All right. So verse 14, it says, Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. They took our pigs away. I mean, this is what they're crying about. They killed our pigs. They killed our livelihood. Those Jews, <laughs> they don't like pigs. How did they get rid of 2,000 pigs? I don't know. They just started running down. Crazy stuff. And the people went out to see what had happened. Hey, wow, really? Now check this. Don't miss this. This is unbelievable to me. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion. They saw the man who had been tormenting that community for so long. They saw this demon-possessed man who had been the terror of, of the community for so long, who had been living among the tombs. They saw that man dressed, dressed, because he was naked before. Now he's dressed and in his right mind. And they threw a party. That's what it says, right? Wow! Can you believe it? He's healed. I mean, isn't that what we should be doing? Isn't that what you should be reading? I mean, is there something wrong with me here? Uh, is there, like, what is wrong with this picture? They, it says that they saw him in his right mind, and they were what? Why were they afraid? Why were they afraid? Can I tell you why? Don't miss this. This is the most important part. They were afraid because they were still darkness. They were afraid because the guy who was supposedly darker than them now is brighter than them. Don't be afraid when somebody brightens up for Jesus. And it's happening all over this, con this congregation. I see bright lights coming up. It's fantastic. It just blows my mind. People come to me, I don't know what's happening to me. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, don't worry about what's happening to you. It is happening. Rejoice. I've never been like this. I know. It's cool. I've, 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 I know what you mean. It's a wonderful thing. Because God is good. And all the time. That's good. Amen. We still have some people that remember that. Cool. And those who had seen it not only were afraid, they told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Not to the pigs, to the demon-possessed man. They told about the pigs as well, but first about what? The demon-possessed man, right? And so the people began to plead with Jesus, please leave us, leave the region, go away, leave our pigs alone, and leave our demon-possessed people. We like them. You know? What a sad choice. It's scary, isn't it? 
I mean, do, do you see the problem here? I mean, is it possible that sometimes when we see light happening, we get afraid? Is that possible? And, and, and if we do, should we ask ourselves, what, what's going on? Why am I afraid? What am I afraid about? Right? I mean, Jesus wants to save each and every one of us from our brokenness, from our darkness. See, there used to be a time when someone would say that and people would start saying, Amen, Hallelujah. They'd start crying. But we have heard that so much that it's like, all right, all right, get over it. It's almost time for lunch. I know you guys are not saying that. I didn't say that about you. So let me be here for another 20 minutes. No, I'm kidding. So you don't have to beg Jesus to leave. You know that, right? Think about Jesus. You don't have to beg him to stay. You don't have to beg him to leave. Jesus has always been and always will be a God of choice. Which is why darkness came in to begin with, right? He didn't create it. It just always was because he was always light. And light is the opposite of darkness. And next week we're going to talk about the darkness. So, uh, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, isn't that beautiful? Demon-possessed. The man who was darkness, who now was light, the man who lived among the tombs and now lives among the living, begged to go with him. And Jesus didn't let him. <laughs> Sorry, there's not enough room in the boat. But he said, go home to your family. No, 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 I want to be with you, Jesus. No, 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 listen to me. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. No, no, but, but, but Jesus, I don't have a theology degree. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I've been in darkness. I've been darkness. I mean, I've been killing people. I mean, this is not good. You sure? I mean, like, I, I, what would I say? What if I make a mistake? What if they ask me a question I don't know anything about? Does he say any of that? No. You don't need a theology degree to share Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying to you here? You don't need a theology degree. Would it surprise you, and I'm going to really probably get in trouble for this, but I'm going to tell you something. Would it surprise you for you to know that I do not have a theology degree? I know, right? I have never gone to seminary. I know. Please, don't, don't faint. No. God took me from a whole different perspective. Now, I, 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 I went to school, <laughs> and I learned a lot, but I didn't go through the normal route. Does that disqualify me? 
Of course not. And it didn't disqualify this man. In fact, Jesus is sending him. He's saying, go. Go to your family. In fact, the capitalist means ten cities. That guy starts going to all these cities, ten cities, and he starts talking to his uncle, to his cousin, to his brother, to his sister, to his mom, to his dad. Look, it's me. Do you remember me? I was living among the tombs. Remember me? I was the guy. Look, I know I look a little bad because I'm cutting myself. But, you know, can I tell you something, man? God is so good. I used to be Judas, but now I'm Jesus. I got to tell you about what he did for me, how he did. There is no more powerful story, way to convince somebody than your own personal story. Nothing. That's all he says. He says, you go and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Forget about the Bible study. Just tell them what he's done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell the capitalist how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This guy goes from being a maniac to a missionary. How cool is that? I'm going to have the worship team come up here. And as they come up, if you are dealing with darkness in your life, and I know some of you are. You are more than the darkness. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. You are more than the reflection that you see yourself in the mirror with. You're more than the numbers you read on the scale when you get on it. You're more than the number of hands that you that, that, that celebrate you. You're more than the many titles that you can accumulate in your life. You are more than any of the sins that have ever weighed you down. You are more, you are more, you are more, and God loves you. And it doesn't matter how many legions may be trying to hold you down, God can come, and in one single sentence, boom, they could be gone. And if you've never asked Jesus, I don't care if you've been raised in the church, by the way, and maybe you've been raised in the church and you've been a good person all your life. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. I don't want to dismiss that. But, but maybe you've never asked Jesus to take you out of darkness into light. Now, I'm not going to do an altar call here, so just don't, don't, don't go nuts on me. But listen to me. I'm going to pray here in a moment. And as I pray... I want you to tell Jesus in your own heart, God, please, please, Lord, let whatever it is in me that's broken, whatever it is in me that keeps me dark, get rid of it, Lord, please. I want to experience your light. And if God could do it for this demon-possessed man, he could do it for you. Don't you think so? Is that possible? He could do it for all of us. If he could do it for me, he could do it for you. I know that. There's no doubt in my mind. God's going to point you true north, right? As we sang this morning, as those children are learning about right now. True north, true north, true north. That's where God wants to take us. So let's pray together.
Father. Lord, I want you to hold this moment. In your hands. I need you to calm the raging sea in my heart. There's going to be moments, Lord, where I walk and I'm going to feel like I'm walking through fire. Walk with me, Lord. Heal my brokenness, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. You are my healer, Lord. And I don't need anything else except for you, Lord. Just you. Because I know, Lord, that you are bigger than the obvious. That you are more powerful than the predictable and you love to give impossibility and inferiority complex. You, nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Nothing. Bring healing to us, Lord. Help us to become light. And like that demon-possessed man who is now healed, Lord, may we shine for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.